so awesome to be together. Awesome job, worship team. Yes. And again, happy sixth birthday, Alive. I'll echo what Pastor Eric said. It's, it's incredible to just remember. Six years ago, it was just 34 adults and 17 kids. And we all stepped out in faith. And look at what the Lord has done. And I just want to say thank you. You know, as I look out, I see so many different faces from so many different seasons of the church. And, and maybe this is your first Sunday, which is awesome. We celebrate that. But at today, we just pause and we remember God's faithfulness because we remember portability at Scranton and we remember COVID online and house-to-house gatherings. We remember the Howell building and all that the Lord has done. And we remember how he has planted us here in this land, never to be uprooted again. And we remember his faithfulness. Pretty incredible, right? Over 400 people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So thank you for those of you that have served on the Alive team, those that have prayed, those that have gave, those that have applied their faith and believed that God could do something incredible through us as a church for his kingdom come. And we are just getting started. Amen. Sometimes people um, will ask us, oh man, Alive is growing. Man, how big do you think Alive's going to get? And I, we understand their heart behind that question, but we oftentimes respond to that question and we say, you know what? We, we don't know. And honestly, we don't care a ton about the size because we just really want a healthy church. We really want a healthy church and we know healthy things grow. And so, yes, it's inevitable that the church is going to continue to grow and expand in all the different ways that God wants us to. But our focus, our heartbeat, our mission is, man, God, we want to be a church that's healthy, that honors and glorifies you, that you're pleased with. Amen. So today we're continuing in our series, Oh My Soul. With that in mind, God wants us to prosper and be in health, spirit, soul, and body. And, for, and we want the soul of alive to be well. And the soul of alive is well when the collective sum of the people of alive have souls that are healthy and well. Um, if you, so this is week three of the series. We've got one more week next week. But if you missed the first two weeks, really encourage you to go back and give a listen. A lot of it was foundational and we're kind of building upon the next. But week one, we talked about spirit, soul, body. We talked about how we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And that understanding is foundational to everything that we're talking about in this series. We took a look at 1 Thessalonians 523, which is really the foundational scripture for this series. And it says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we talked about how the completeness of who we are as a person, a spirit, soul, body. Then last week, Pastor Eric did a phenomenal job in a message titled, Feel Your Feelings. And so we started to zoom in just to the soul arena and the, how emotions, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions, right? If you missed the message, go back and listen to it. Um, Pastor Eric talked about how we need to locate our feelings. We need to not avoid our feelings. Our, feel our feelings shouldn't be the engine of our train, shouldn't be leading the ship, but we shouldn't ignore them either because they're indicators. Um, so we need to locate our feelings, we need to feel our feelings, and we need to lean into the Lord with our feelings, is what Pastor Eric talked about last week. It was truly, truly life-giving. And um, a big scripture for last week was in 3 John 1-2, where scripture says, Beloved, I pray that you might prosper in all things 
and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so we see our soul prospering is foundational for us being in health and prospering in all things. So today I want to talk about, continue our zoom in on this soul arena of who we are by talking about heart and soul. Heart and soul. One of the earliest commandments God gave to his people in the book of Deuteronomy was that, they, that we would love him, that we would serve him, that we would seek him with all of our heart and with all of our soul. And this was actually right before he gave the Ten Commandments. Right before they are about to enter the promised land, God started to paint a picture of how he wanted his people to relate to him. And one of the promises, early promises that he gives is in Deuteronomy 4.29. It says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. You're going to find me, God says. When you seek him, when you seek God with all your heart and with all your soul. All your heart and all your soul. It's such a theme all throughout old, the um, new and old, but really, especially in the book of Deuteronomy, over and over, seek me with your whole heart and soul. Love me with your whole heart and soul. And it was the barometer, it was the assessment that God was saying, hey, I don't care about every all the do's and don'ts, but I just want your heart and soul, right? Heart and soul. Even that phrase, heart and soul, is, is common even in our language and culture today, right? If you're older than 40 or 35, you might think of some 80s songs with that phrase, heart and soul. Any come to mind? Anybody know that one? I was singing them to Eric this morning. He's like, honey, half the congregation's not going to know what you're talking about. One of them, give a little bit of heart and soul. Yeah, you guys know that one? Do, 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 do. You guys know that one? No. Because she's hard and soul. Yeah, yeah, all right. I'm not on the worship team, and that's why. But we have, no, they're not Christian songs. Don't look up the lyrics. But they're talking about heart and soul, and you, where there's phrases in culture, right? Like, I'm going to put my heart into soul, my heart and soul into it, or I'm, I'm in, heart and soul, I'm in. And so I think we all know kind of what that means, but God's the one that coined that. God's the one that coined the phrase heart and soul. And I think we all know metaphorically it's talking about being all in, like I'm there 110%. All of me is in, all my passion, all my energy, all my commitment, heart and soul. So we see another place in Deuteronomy where God says heart and soul again. We see it in Deuteronomy 6, 5 where God says, I don't just want you to seek me, but I want you to love me. I want you to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Here in Deuteronomy, God's setting up what he wants our relationship with him to look like. And he's saying, I love you relentlessly. I love you with everything that I have, right? And he's saying, I don't want you to love me in return half-heartedly. Man, I want you to love me heart and soul and strength with all that you have, right? I think it'd be like a running coach, Maybe a running coach who's trying to coach his player that he's got to run with everything he has through the finish line. 
The running coach could say, I need you to run with everything you got through the finish line. Or he could really emphasize it and say, I'm going to need you to run with every muscle in your body, with all the breath in your lungs, with everything you've got through that finish line. The coach is emphasizing all these different parts of the body, saying, hey, you can't leave anything out, all systems on to get through the finish line. That's what God's saying. No part of you hidden, no part of you not involved. I want your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole strength loving me. Today, in light of it being the church's sixth birthday, I want to share a scripture from the New Testament that's actually talking about the church and, and uses this phrase, heart and soul. 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, when the church first began, it was growing and expanding at an incredible rate, and something was said of the church, heart and soul, that made that happen, and you see it in Acts 4.32. It says, the multitude of those who believed, talking about the church, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And what was the result? And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Isn't that a beautiful image of a healthy church? The early church here, all of the believers, I got to believe that they were seeking the Lord with all their heart and with all their soul. They were all in with the Lord. And they decided collectively, we're going to be heart and soul with, with one another in unity for this common purpose. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? And the result was this great power and this great grace that was upon them in the church multiplied. We desire to be a healthy church like that. Heart and soul. Doo -doo, doo -doo, doo. <laughs> it's going to be in my head all morning. A church that has a soul that's prospering, a heart that is pure, so that we can love and seek God with our whole heart and soul. And maybe as you're listening this morning, maybe you're in person, maybe you're online, and you're like, that's great, but like, I've got too much of a past to have a pure heart and soul. Like maybe that's for people that don't have junk in the trunk or issues or darkness in their past, but I don't know that my heart could ever truly be pure and healthy heart. And so I don't know that I could ever fully love the Lord and seek after him heart and soul because there's too much from my past that God couldn't handle. I just want to encourage you this morning that Jesus says, I have come to heal the brokenhearted. There is nothing in our past, nothing in our present, no shame or darkness from the past that is too big or intimidating for God. As we bring these things to him, he can make us whole, spirit, soul, and body. If you desire to be healthy, spirit, soul, body, God is able to do that regardless of where you're at this morning or whenever you're listening to this message. And at the close of my message, I want to give um, six thoughts around how can we maintain a healthy heart in celebration of six years as a church. But first, I want, want to just talk about a couple of things. And first, I want to just talk practically about, like, what is the difference between our soul and our heart? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Anybody wondering, spirit, soul, body, where does the heart fit into that? Practically, like, we know... 
metaphorically, it's talking about being all in with God. And we could end there. But where, where does the heart fit? What does it mean practically our soul and our heart loving and seeking after God? Anybody wonder? Like, we know we are spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. We know that our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So is the heart like a synonym for the soul? Or is the heart a synonym for the spirit? Or are we really a four-part being and now there's also the addition of the heart or something totally different? You guys tracking? We'll answer that in just a minute, but I want to talk about kind of what we, I alluded to in the first week, just about how amazingly we're made, right? Spirit, soul, body. And how the body part of us is the only part that's visible and seen, right? We have all kinds of occupations that can literally study our body and all the different systems of our body. And even with that, even with the fact that we can dissect organs within our physical body, we still are learning so much about our body and how all the systems of the body weave together. And so we're talking about our soul, this whole series. And our soul is invisible, Really, all that we know about our soul and our spirit is what the word tells us, and, th and there's a lot, and we're going to keep talking about it. But I just want to show you this visual of, we're going to talk about the soul in a minute, but just think about the body. Go and show the diagrams of the different systems of the body. This, is, this amazes me. You know, there's our body, which is one category of who we are, but even within the body, there's all these different systems that work together to form the body, Right? Respiratory system, circulatory system, skeletal, digestive, cardiovascular, muscular, all of that. If you hated science class, I'm going to take the slide down in just a minute. <laughs> but this visual, I believe the same is true about our soul. That there's different systems within our soul that work together and that our, the systems of our body are an image or a type of what's happening invisibly in our soul, Right? We know that our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And so could it be that there's similar systems, there's a similar system for the mind, is there a similar system for the will and for the emotions in the realm of the soul? And where does the heart fit into all of that, right? So in just a minute, don't show them yet, I'm going to show you a diagram of where the heart fits into all of this. And... It is not very detailed. It's, we don't have all the different systems like you just saw in the other one, but I think it's going to paint a picture of what does this mean, seeking the Lord with all of our heart and soul, and where does the heart fit into all of the spirit, soul, body stuff? Go ahead and show the next slide. So our heart, you know, we have our physical heart that pumps the blood for our circulatory system, right? But the, all throughout the Bible, we see the word heart, and it's not talking about an organ that pumps blood, in the same way that there's our brain, but our mind is more than just our brain. It's more than that. And so our heart, scripture talks about this spiritual heart, this invisible heart that we have. And it is part of our soul. And our heart is the organ of our soul, our invisible soul, that is the command center for decision-making in our life. Our heart decides. We'll go to the scripture later on this morning, but scripture says, guard your heart um, because it determines the course of your life. 
okay? So we have the heart. Scripture also talks about how the heart is evil and all of that. So the heart can't be in the spirit. But we also talk about how God will give us a new heart. We'll talk about that at the end. And so the heart decides. And so we've got here in the diagram, we've got the yellow part, our spirit. Our spirit is our eternal self, right? The part of us that connects with God. God is spirit. We are spirit. He speaks to our spirit. We are to be spirit-led. Our spirit is supposed to dominate our life and, and lead the direction of our life, right? But we also have a soul. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions, And so our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, which does not get saved, we are in charge of renewing our mind and our will and our emotions, right? So the conveyor belt of our soul intersects with our spirit in the heart, and the heart decides. You guys tracking? Um... So our soul is informing our heart. We feel this way. We think this way. We have strong desires or wills about things this way. And our spirit is like, yeah, and this is what God says. And this is the spirit that, you know, the fruits of the spirit. And then the heart decides. Are we going with God or are we going with our impulses? Right? The heart discerns. The heart determines everything. So when God is saying that we should seek and worship God with all of our soul and all of our heart, he's saying, I want you to seek me. I want you to worship me with all of your thoughts and emotions, with all of your will and with all your strength, and with all of the decision-making power in your heart. I want you to seek me, and I want you to love me. Amen. So we're to seek God and to love him heart and soul. But the more that I have dove into, Eric and I both have dove into the study of spirit, soul, body, it's, it's um, more and more complex the more that you get into it, right? Scripture says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, which is so true. The way that our spirit, soul, and body and all the systems within all those parts all intermix together is amazing. And all the things that we know are mind-boggling and the things that we don't know are mind-boggling. And if we could understand and know it all, then we would be God. And and we see through the glass dimly right now, right? We don't understand it all. But God gives us enough in his word. And it's amazing how science discoveries prove what God has been saying all along. But it's interesting. God is three in one. And we are three in one. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all distinctly three persons, but all one God, and all so intermixed and intertwined that it's hard to separate because they're one. We are one, but three parts, spirit, soul, body, right? And our three parts can, are, are distinctly different, but they're so intertwined that it's hard to separate, right? Like, how do you separ- separate your brain from your, the mind of your soul. I think as you dive into science, you, you, can, you can already see it even in discoveries that our mind, there's different parts of our body. I don't know enough, but learning about the peptides is part of the mind and it's all throughout the body. It's not just here. But anyways, someone recently sent me a link to something last week that was so timely about 
a new discovery about the heart, our physical heart. So if you're watching, thank you so much for sending it. Super intriguing. I want to send it. I want to share it with you guys today. Recently, there was a, in the scientific world, in the last 30 years, there was um, a recent discovery. Up until about 30 years ago, um, it was just understood that the heart was basically a complex pump that pumps blood throughout our body, right? Recently, though, there has been scientific proof that our heart, our physical heart in our body, actually has a little brain inside of our heart. 30 years ago, a scientist first realized that there are um, 40,000 brain-like neurons concentrated in a certain area of the heart. And that the heart, that part of the brain, it's called the little brain of the heart. You can go home and Google it. The little brain of the heart. That part of the heart operates as a brain separate from this brain. And formulates thoughts and feelings and inner, inner um, intuition apart from the brain. And there's actually a direct line, like scientifically, physiologically, there's actually a direct line of communication from the heart brain to our brain brain. And there's actually more information that's sent from our physical heart to our brain than from our brain to our heart. Isn't that wild? But I mean, scripture says that our heart thinks. And yet it's talking about our spiritual heart and our soul, but somehow it's all intertwined, right? Just like our mind is a physical part of our body, but there's also the mind of our soul. Are you guys' minds blown? My mind is blown. So scientists have actually discovered that our heart actually is intelligent and actually records memory and feelings and thoughts separate from our our brain brain. And the reason that they started to research this is because when someone got a heart transplant, they would oftentimes start to have a different personality. There's a and so at first they're like, oh, that's just a coincidence, but then it kept happening. And there's a story of a woman who had a heart transplant, and as soon as she woke up, she started saying that she was having cravings for a certain kind of food that she had never had before. And they don't tell, you know, you can, they can't tell you who, whose heart you got and all of this, but she went on a rabbit trail and did some research on her own to see who died on this day in this area and all of that. She came to find out, she came to find whose heart she had. And she was craving, like, Kentucky Fried Chicken kind of food. And she had never had that kind of food before. And her family was like, what? Why do you want that kind of food all of a sudden? Come to find out the person's heart who she received, that was his favorite kind of food. And so it, it started to get scientists to be like, what's going on with that? And they located this part of the heart that has a high concentration of brain cells. And so this little heart of the brain mind-blowing, right? All that to say, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the physical and the invisible parts of us and the way that we all work together is incredible. And science continues to discover things about us that the Bible has been saying all along. And so as I close, I just want to share six thoughts for our sixth anniversary, our sixth birthday. We're trying to decide, is it an anniversary or birthday? We don't know, so we're going to say both. Um, about how, how can we keep our heart healthy? 
first thought is this. Number one, let's keep our eyes on our heart because it directs our life. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. You see that visual, right? The conveyor belt of the soul and the conveyor belt of the spirit intersect in this central part of the soul, the heart, that decides, the heart decides what direction our life is going to go. And it's so easy for our heart to become clouded with bitterness and envy and greed and hatred and fear, right? When it needs to be clouded with the word of God, it needs to be clouded with the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We got to have eyes on our heart. Know what's going on in our heart in a daily basis because it directs the, the course of our life. Number two, we need to keep our heart honest because that is the soil that the word produces fruit in. One of my favorite scriptures, the parable of the sower, Jesus is teaching a, a parable, a story, and he's saying, hey, the word of God is like a seed. And he says, and there's four different types of soil of people's heart, right? There's the hard ground, the stony ground, the ground with thorns and weeds, and the good ground. And he says, when the word of God is planted on the hard ground of the heart, the enemy snatches it away doesn't even germinate. When the word of God falls on the stony ground of someone's heart, it can't take root. When the word of God falls on ground of someone's heart that's lots of weeds and lots of thorns, the cares and the riches of the world, it germinates and it gets roots and it actually starts to bear fruit, but not much because the cares of the world choke it out, right? But Jesus said, but when the word of God falls on a good, noble, honest heart, it bears much fruit a hundredfold. Let's check it out. Matthew, the whole, there's a lot to the um, scripture, but I'll summarize it in Matthew 8, 15. Jesus said, for as in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word Hold it fast in an honest and good, other translations say, a noble heart, and bear fruit with patience. So Jesus is saying, man, keep guard of your heart, because the condition of our heart determines how fruitful the word of God can be in our life. It's important to keep an honest heart, a noble heart, a good heart, because that's a dwelling place for the word of God to flourish, for everything that God wants for our life to come to pass. And it's all good stuff, right? And I love that God's word can dwell in our heart. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. You guys doing good? Number three, let's fight for weekly Sabbath because our soul needs rest to thrive. We know what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For us to love God heart and soul, our heart and our soul needs to be healthy. And to maintain a healthy heart and soul, we have to have rhythms of rest. We have to have rhythms of Sabbath. 
having a full 24 hours every week where we're not striving, where we're not producing, where we're saying, God, I trust you. And I trust that you're working even when I rest. Our heart needs a rest. It's an interesting scripture in Ecclesiastes 2, through 25. It says this, it says, For what has man for all his labor and all the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun? For all of his days are sorrowful and his work burdensome. Even in the night his heart takes no rest. This is vanity. If you've ever read Ecclesiastes, everything is vanity except pursuing the Lord, right? Spark notes. But it goes on to say, nothing is better for man than that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy the good of his labor. Another way to say Sabbath, it's to rest and it is to delight. God's saying it's vanity to work, work, work for your heart to strive, strive, strive and never rest. No, his soul, our soul should enjoy rest and enjoyment and delight of his labor. And it goes on to say, this also I saw was the hand of God. Amen. Number four, let's avoid having a proud, perverse, and hardened heart because God resists us if we do. How do we keep our hearts and guard our hearts? We need to stay clear of pride, perversion, and hardness of heart. Here's the deal. God does not resist imperfect people. God does not resist us necessarily because we lie or we sin. He resists us if we stay there and we don't bring it to him, right? God does resist people who are proud. He does resist people um, who have perversion in their heart and have hardness in their heart. Check out these scriptures. Psalm 101, 4, a perverse heart or an evil heart shall depart from me, God says. I will not know wickedness. Psalm 95, 8, don't harden your heart as in the rebellion. How do we harden our heart? If you go, if you, there's other scriptures. That, the, the way that we harden our heart is through disbelief, where we say, God, no, I don't believe that. I don't believe you. Disbelief. When we walk in disbelief towards God, our heart is hardened. So don't harden your heart or don't um, disbelieve God or have lack of faith as, as we do in the rebellion as in the day of trial in the wilderness. And then the last one, Psalm 101.5, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. God hates pride. Scripture also says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So we're talking about loving God with our heart and our soul. And so we want to avoid pride. We want to avoid thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought and thinking of ourselves more frequently than we ought. Sometimes people think, oh, I'm not prideful because I've got so many insecurities. But sometimes a lot of insecurities is actually a sign of pride because you're thinking too much about yourself. Um, and so we need to keep a humble heart towards the Lord and he will give us more grace. Amen. Two more. Number five, let's keep a heart pure and upright and we're promised to see God. Check out Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. What a promise. God says when we stay pure in heart, we'll see him 
And I love in the Old Testament, King David was described as a man after God's own heart. Again, not because he was perfect. He made a lot of mistakes. He sinned in some really big ways. He lied and was deceitful in a lot of big ways. But he always brought it back around to God. He always kept his heart pure from the Lord, pure before the Lord. He was quick to repent. And this was said of him to his son in 1 Kings 9, 4 through 5. God says to King Solomon, Now if you walk before me as your father David walked, and he goes on to define how David walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness. That's all God's looking for. Just love me heart and soul. Just love me in uprightness and integrity of your heart. To do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over all of Israel. God's not saying be perfect and don't make any mistakes. He's just saying just keep, my, keep your heart close to me. Continue to be humble and upright and have integrity in your heart. Amen? Last one, and I think my favorite one, number six. Let faith dwell in your heart and everything will change for good. While God dwells in our spirit and speaks to our spirit, it starts with a decision of faith in our heart. This is super interesting to me. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We know this scripture, a lot of us, right? For with the heart, our decision-making center, for with our heart, we believe unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Isn't that interesting? Our heart believes, and our heart is in the realm of our soul. So then, this is the new creation. You know, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are made a new creation in Christ, right? We're given a new spirit, and Ezekiel prophesied about this, but it's interesting what he prophesied in Ezekiel 36, 26. Before Jesus came, God prophesied this and said, I'm going to give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'm going to take out your heart of stone, take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'm not exactly sure how this all works out. We know that we are given a brand new spirit. We're born again. Our spirit is born again, right, when we become a new creation. But our soul is not born again. We still have the same old emotions, thoughts, all of that. But the scripture is saying God does something new in our heart, too. Our heart decided to believe. And within our heart, I don't know how it all works, but I believe he gives us a fresh strength and desire to follow him. We still have free will, right? But I believe he for sure gives us a new spirit. And the scripture says he gives us a new heart too. But not a perfect heart, a free will heart. But in our heart is where faith dwells. Amen. Church, let's be a healthy church. Let's seek God heart and soul. And if you're here this morning and, and you'd say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know about all that you're talking about, really. Because I don't know God personally. I've never believed in my heart that he is the Lord and Savior of the world and let alone of my life. It's really just as simple as the scripture says. It's making a decision in our heart to say, you know what? 
I believe. I believe that Jesus is who he said he was. That he came from heaven. He's God in the flesh. He died on the cross for my sins. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to believe in my heart. Jesus, you are Lord. And I want to make you the Lord of my life. I'm going to confess that out of my mouth. I'm not just going to think it in my head. I'm going to confess it out of my mouth. And in that moment, God says, you are saved. We don't, we don't go to heaven because we're good people or because we do enough good deeds. We go based on faith, believing what God said is true. God, you said it. I believe it. Amen. So church, we're going to close in prayer here in just a moment. I'm going to pray a general prayer as a church family. But if you're here this morning and you've never called on Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, at the end of every service, we always collectively make that prayer declaration. And we'll all close our eyes and you'll have an opportunity to do that maybe for the first time or maybe you're here this morning and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And God, we thank you that you're good. We thank you that you love us and that you desire for us to love you and to seek after you heart and soul. And so God, that's our desire this morning. If we're here this morning and we haven't been seeking you and loving you heart and soul, Lord, forgive us. Lord, help us get back on the train and get back at it. And Lord, you say that the early church was one heart and soul and that there was great grace and power on them. Today, six years after our first grand opening, God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for what you've done and how you have built your church. And God, we pray that in these next six years, Lord, there'd be an even greater um, unity, heart and soul, that your power and your grace would be ever more evident that your kingdom would be able to expand in and through us in even greater ways. And Lord, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we know you know our hearts. You discern the thoughts of our heart, scripture says, and you know those of us that have put our faith and trust in you, and you know if there's someone here in person or online that has not put their faith and trust in you. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're already speaking, you're already doing your work. So with all eyes closed and head bowed, if you're here this morning and you want to come into a personal relationship with Jesus and you want to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is your Lord and be saved. With all eyes closed and head bowed, would you raise your hand before the Lord and say, God, that's me. I'm all in. Heart and soul. Amen, church family. Let's pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you for sending Jesus. I believe he is who he said he was. And he did what he said he was going to do. And I receive him today as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.